Michelle Donnelly, and this is the Christian Single Moms Podcast. I believe that every single mom can discover a life of peace, power, and purpose, and that you can do it right through the things that God is carrying you through in your season as a single mom. Here we talk about all of the things that matter to a single mom, but most of all, I hope you found a place where you feel like you belong. Let's get started. Hey, thanks for being with me for this episode today. I'm your host, Michelle Donnelly. Burnout. I know you felt it. I felt it. It is just something that is a pervasive part of this single mother experience. It's that overwhelming feeling like I am having to do so much and maybe with so little, whether that's so little time, so little resources, or so little of ourselves to go around. And it's something that we confront all throughout the year, but especially at the holiday season. And oftentimes what we want to experience as a season of hope or of joy, we are just covered in this overwhelming sense of joylessness. I'm joined in this conversation by Jennifer Watson, and Jennifer is here to talk with us about burnout. She's here to talk with us about those expectations that are upon us, whether they are expectations that we have set for ourselves or that other people have established for us, and how we can say yes to the things that God is calling us to and be okay with saying no to the things that He's not. Over the last several months, I've received several emails from women asking, where is the loneliness type quiz? And it is back. As single moms, loneliness is something we all have to deal with. But the reasons why we each deal with it are different and don't have that much to do with being in a relationship. To learn more about your experience with loneliness, what's causing it, and some of the ways out, start with our What's Your Loneliness Type quiz. And you'll find a link to that down in the show notes or by heading over to plusoneparents.org. In this conversation with Jennifer, one of the things that I took away was the understanding that a lot of where this experience with burnout is rooted is in these expectations that ultimately somebody's going to get disappointed, whether it's us or whether it's the people that we have to say no to. But when we recognize that God is already pleased with us and that He is not disappointed by us, that that gives us the strength to navigate these difficult conversations. Here is my conversation with Jennifer Watson. Jennifer, I'm so excited to have you with me today. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Jennifer, this time of year can really highlight our experience with burnout. I know burnout is something that just all moms, especially single moms, really are carrying around this time of year, though it can just be so pervasive and it can really seem to steal joy in a time that we might already not feel so joyful. We might be really battling with the sense of joylessness. And this is something though that you really have a heart for. You had a life-changing experience with burnout. And so to start us off in our conversation today, I just want to know if you would highlight for us, you know, what this life-changing experience with burnout was like and how you found yourself in that situation. Yeah, um, probably almost four years ago, um, I've been in ministry for 24 years 
And um, in, we were in ministry at a very young age and um, I lost two babies and then became a mother. And so all of my ambition and everything that I had as far as goals went out the window to focus on being a mama. And so as my girls got older, I've got uh, one that's about to turn 20 and then one that's about to turn 18. Um, I began to venture out into my ministry, but it was really hard because we were supposed to be at everything, right? We were supposed to be visible and seen, have our kids there, look happy, make sure you shook everybody's hands. Just all of those things that became such a pressure for me um, in that I had two small babies and I'm just trying to do the very best I can. So flash forward to feeling like at every season, we're all just doing the best we can, right? Mm -hmm. We're just figuring it out. We're growing with our kids. We're growing in motherhood and in life. So four years ago, I started to notice that as I was doing research for my new book, I was like, oh my goodness, I didn't just wake up one day and I was depressed and anxious. I slid into it. So Mm -hmm. I went through 20 years of journaling and found out that that busyness that almost becomes a badge of honor and that we're supposed to be doing everything and burnout. And we're trying, especially over the holidays, to make um, Thanksgiving and Christmas magical for our kids. But we're spinning our wheels so fast that all they really want is us. Mm -hmm. And so I found myself... um, Four years ago at that breaking point where I was like, I can either either go over the ledge or I can pull back because I'm already burnt out. So what do I do? And most people just jump right over it and they either get really sick, um, have a breakdown, you know, have some explosive thing happen in the relationships or find themselves on edge. And I just started to pull back and unpack all of the shoulds, Hmm. all of the shame, all of I'm supposed to, to say, God, what have you called me to do in this season? And if no one else gets it, and if no one else is pleased by it, if you're okay, then I'm going to be okay. Um, Which is really hard for a people pleaser like myself. You know, Mm -hmm. I really learned that if I wanted to please everyone, I would always be depressed and anxious and burn out and on the edge and feel like I had nothing left to give. I love that you highlight the fact that this started early for you, that you got into ministry early. You talked about being married young before you and I came on. And I think that is the most. That's the sneakiest thing about this experience with burnout is it's something, as you said, that it sneaks up on you little by little by little. And it's something that may have really well-intended roots, you know, that venturing into ministry, this is like, I'm going after what the Lord has for me, you know, or whatever it is that we're pursuing that ultimately, yes, there can be some people-pleasing element of that, but sometimes there's also this God-pleasing element, but not not in a healthy way, not from a heart that knows it's loved, but from a heart that is desperate to perform for God in a way that we can feel that love. Yeah. I had one specific moment um, and it was before kids and I'm studying in choir practice, right? Because I'm supposed to be able to do all the things. And 
I felt the Lord speak so clearly to me. And it was like, he said, you're asking things of yourself that I am not. I wish I would have gotten that at 23, 24. I did not. I did not get it until about four years ago or a little bit before when I started saying, my lifestyle is making me sick and this is not God's best for me. Um, It was really hard to do, but I did. I just started taking things off my plate. Can't canceling things that I normally did just to catch my breath and refocus on what is really most important right now. And um, I think I had it all wrong. I thought by doing all the things that I would be doing the right God things, but I wasn't. I was missing the elements where I shine or where he's called me to do um, servanthood with joy. Like I was cranky as all get out. Uh, And I think that that's what happens. We know when we're on edge, we're burning out. Mm. That is such a powerful word too. I love that God spoke to you that way and was just letting you know that the expectations that you had for yourself were not his expectations for you. What an incredible moment. It was, and I've never forgotten it, but I haven't thought about that in years until just now just sitting mm-hmm. here with you. And I thought, oh man, I didn't learn that then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But he's so patient, I think, to guide us in this because what you're talking about is the fact though that you became aware of this anxiety and you had to start pulling things off of your plate. But I think that that is actually such a frightful moment. And this was certainly the case in my story where the things that I had relied on, the performing, the being, the doing, the having, whether it was for my friends or my family or my kids or whatever, that I had built my identity around these things. And so for me to start to imagine a life without doing those things, a life where I did not show up, you know, as, as perfectly as I had before or as well curated or you know, whatever as I had before, even just the thought of that, the thought of the disappointment of the people around me just sent me into panic. Utter, I mean, an utter panic attack. I would right. wake up in the morning every day, just heart racing, couldn't go to sleep at night, knowing that I, I felt that I was absolutely letting everybody down. Mm-hmm. So yeah. talk to us about that time period where you start to pull things off your plate and how you start to deal with that anxiety that comes with saying no. Right. Well, this is a really wonderful story. Um, So as a pastor's wife, um, I have always loved youth ministry and had been a youth pastor's wife. Well, that was an area that I was just love and thrived in because I'm creative and spontaneous and I love the word and I love connecting with teenagers. I just love it. So the board had asked me to come on staff as the um, youth pastor full-time. And so that was such a big deal because you don't get opportunities like that because you're a package deal, right? Two for the price of one. So I'm doing this and I get a call from our women's ministry director and she's like, can we sit down and talk? And basically she was like, 
you're not visible. People don't understand the modern day pastor's wife or wife. And um, we just need you to be make a commitment to be at all these things. And at that time, I was dealing with teenagers who were cutting in the youth group, who were suicidal and broken. And I just didn't want to make another reef. You know, I just want to go and do floral arrangements. You know, that was my assignment. And as a 40 something, I could just say, you know what, this is what God has called me to do in this season. And actually I'm kind of submitting to this whole assignment. So throw out modern day, anything. And this is the this, this season where I'm just being obedient. So no, I can't make that promise to you. I want you to know, I felt so empowered and gracious and kind as I was telling that, but yet very firm and saying, if I do all the things you're asking me to do, I'm going to be so burnt out and broken. And yeah. not have anything to give to anybody at that point. No. Right. And so there's certain seasons where we're called to do certain things. And there's certain seasons of just solitude where we feel alone and like we're missing out on all the things and we feel broken. But that time is just as much purposeful and meaningful. And so before I was like, gosh, I feel so alone or I'm not doing enough. And those were the times that built my character way more than being visible or pleasing everyone. Mm -hmm. So I just think it's worth it shifting gears when we need to as often as possible. So we can be okay. Cause motherhood and raising kids and feeling like the lone ranger is hard. Would you share about that solitude that you just described? Because I know from my side of it, being in a season of solitude, especially as a single mom, Mm -hmm. it has been both utterly heartbreaking. It has brought me so low, but yet in the same time, I've experienced what you're talking about, where is the thing that God used though, to show me who he was, show me who I was, show me the roots of all of these things of where all these unreasonable expectations came from and this people pleasing and all that to the point now that I do see that this thing though, though it was so painful to be in this space of solitude, that it's absolutely the thing that God used to bolster and fortify me mm-hmm. to move into the next season of where he has me. Right. Well, in a lot of my journaling and seeing where I kind of slipped into burnout and depression was um, those moments of just crying out to God or writing my journal. I don't feel like I'm effective. I don't think I'm doing anything. I don't even think I'm doing motherhood well. I'm not doing, I'm juggling. I'm not doing anything the way that I would like to. And I feel like there's no one in my life that I can turn to. And that was hard. And I know that there's a lot of women who um, go through that, that season of singleness where your tribe is no longer your tribe because you're not a couple, you're not two people. So there's not a lot of space for you. And so you walk into the church or you walk into that event alone and you feel the magnitude and the weight of it. And then you go home. And even though you have those little people running around everywhere, you're still alone and you feel like that's going to be your forever. And I guess I would just lean in and say, it won't be, you know, if that's where someone is right now that's listening, it won't be forever. It's just for right now, but it's still really hard and you get to not like it. Yes. Yes. Oh, you just spoke so much truth and so much life in what you just said. 
it is one of those things that at the earlier stages of it, it is crushing and it is absolutely triggering. I went to a Friendsgiving recently that I had been to last year. And I remembered last year being there, seeing all the couples and being so aware of how alone I was. And yet coming back to that same event this year, same people Mm -hmm. and not feeling the weight of that. And actually having met some of the other people that were at the event throughout the course of the year so that I had some familiarity now as I walked into that space. And that familiarity helped, but what was undergirding the whole thing in me was the journey God's taken me on in the last 365 days, you know, between those events Mm -hmm. and how many of the lies he's just made me aware of and replaced with truth and beautiful new people that he's brought into spaces where, yes, I lost people, you know, and had to start all over with community. But wow, he outdid himself in what he did. And I think that is, you know, if we compare it to the wilderness season, it's that time where it's like, oh, it just feels like you're taking me out of everything that I know. It feels like, you know, this is going to be it for me. Right. And knowing though he is a good God, he's not going to leave us that way. And it may be so painful, but he is taking us out of something that was limiting us. And Mm -hmm. it's because though he wants to move us into spaces where we can see how unlimited he really is. Right. Well, and I will tell you this, um, there were moments where I was like, am I being punished? And I know that so many will identify that, that now I feel this loneliness or I feel rejected. Um, I must be being punished. And I want you to know that that is the furthest thing from the truth and that we, he meets with us. I think, especially in those broken moments and those lonely moments and, um, I think that even Jesus himself felt that heaviness of aloneness. And then when he was surrounded by people, probably felt alone too. And when the crowds pressed in on him, he went away for a little bit. Like Jesus knew how to do the right exit strategy. He knew when it's time to serve. He knew when it's time to rest. He knew when it's time to check out or run from the people who wanted to kill him. He knew when it was time to lay down his life. Like he did all of it so well and so perfectly. He didn't just spin his wills. Mm. He wasn't just... You know, he was investing in people. He was surrounded by people, but his assignment was his only, you know, and that's the same for us. Our assignment with um, our babies, our kids, our community is our assignment and no one else is going to get that better than we do. And I think in that solitary space, that's where we start to also though have an awareness of what that assignment is. Mm -hmm. And like you said, we can wrestle with the question though, of am I being punished? He is mm-hmm. good to show us, no, no, not at all, daughter. No, 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 no. But then to also say, he's starting to give us glimpses of, and here's where you're going next. And here's what right. I'm going to do. And here's what I'm working on now. Mm-hmm. And it's a, it's a pulling away of the things that we might have depended on before, especially if it's our own performance, our own, you know, giving mm-hmm. into people pleasing and those types of things, the things that we have rested in instead of just receiving his love and resting in his plan for us, knowing that he is good and what he's doing is good. And so then having a little bit more of that picture of the assignment, I think that's the thing that you pointed to. You know, when I asked you, how do you deal with this anxiety? It is starting to understand you do have a purpose and you do have an assignment 
And when you are so deeply committed to walking further in that and being connected to the heart of the God who adores you and is is moving you into something new, it is so much easier to look at folks and say, sorry, like, that's yeah. not part of the assignment. This is not part. This yeah. is the new me. This is not part of that. That the way yeah. I operate anymore. I, I will say, um, this past year has been such a big radical shift for me, where I really left situations where I thought I have really bad social anxiety. Well, when I made a big shift and I left that environment, I realized. I don't really have social anxiety. I have social anxiety around the people that are hard, um, that are probably a little bit toxic and negative and all of that. I cannot tell you how better, how much better I feel right now that I'm like, oh my goodness, I feel like I'm back. And I even had someone say that they've noticed the difference in me. And it's just been beautiful to watch because it it wasn't just in moments of feeling joy and feeling like, gosh, I'm going to be okay. I'm still working through trauma because um, we never stop working on our junk ever. It's never finished, but I feel better. My head's clearer. I don't feel depressed. Yes, I have moments of heaviness and stress, but it's because what I'm going through is hard and heavy mm-hmm. and that comes with it. But um but I feel better in saying, this is my line and I don't want to live in perpetual burnout anymore. Like I'm done with that. I love that you connected this to the people that are around you. I had a similar experience where I always just thought I was shy. Mm-hmm. And then though, again, moving away from the lies, but then also moving away from the people that reinforce those lies and reinforce yes. that insecurity that as that all got stripped away too, again, can be painful. Right. These are so a lot. Some of these people, I mean, they're family. They could be or longtime friends, you know, those sorts of things. But when they get pulled away and you get to flourish and thrive as you really are, it's another thing where it's like, okay, I know my assignment. I know who I'm called to. I know who I'm not called to. And that is all that matters. Right. And as we then embrace that, how much more of ourselves we get to become. You know, we get to step into that design that God always had for us. And I see this so poignantly with my community group that I'm the only single mom in my group. And God has used that over time though to strengthen me and asking for help and not being the one who has like the perfect, you know, buffet spread when people come over, you know, and all that kind of thing where I am sort of like, come, I'm going to come as I am. So you can come as you are. And that's when you know you're in the right zone when you can say to your folks, like, I don't got it. Do you got me? Because I don't got it. (laughs) And seeing them meet you in that. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I love that. I think that's one of the things that's tricky about the holidays though, because it revolves around this separating out of what is for me and what is not. And there's a lot of expectations. There's a lot of feelings. There's a lot of weight that is put upon us, some by ourselves and having to release those expectations, but some from the other people. Right. That now we're starting to have to get used to like, I have to disappoint you in order to be the person that God has called me to be and go the places he's called me to do that. So Uh, 
talk about disappointing people. Talk about oh goodness. What do we do? <laughs> well, this is a thing. When you get that text or that invite, I will tell you, I went to every single family function um, that, possible. I went to everything. I rushed. I did back to back celebrations. My parents um, were divorced at a young age when I was a kid. So you're going. You're juggling all of these things. Well. Um, you know, no one told me that I didn't have to do all of that. I felt so compelled to be at everything and be present. And um, I wasn't bringing the best version of myself to that. I was bringing the scared version, the anxious version, the will you like me? What will my performance be like? Will you accept me? And um, now in this season, I have just, it, it kind of feels bold and brassy almost to be like, no, I'm not coming to that. Like, this is what my heart needs in this season. And this is my decision. I cannot tell you the, uh, where I've, you know, explained that to people and they, it looks like they have, have whiplash because they're like, oh my goodness, she never does this. Well, this is just what I need to do in this season because my healing matters. Me being okay matters. And if I put myself around people and that might be um, attacking me or not like me or nothing I'll ever do will ever measure up, I don't have to go. I, I'm not saying I won't ever revisit those holiday moments, but in this season, I've had to pick my health, my mental health, um, resting over be invisible and at some place, very, very miserable. Like, I don't want my holidays to look like that. I think you just made a really important point there too. The fact that if this is what I need to do right now, mm-hmm. then I'll say this is what I need to do right now. Or even to my own self, like this is right. for right now. It yeah. might be forever. It might not be. You might heal to a point where these people don't trigger you anymore. And it might not be a problem anymore. But that if we visit this on a day by day, year by year, sort of a a Mm -hmm. calendar, you know, in our own hearts, then we have the freedom to -hmm. say, this is what I just have to do for right now. Right. Would you talk about how you communicate that? Because I think within people pleasing though, is also this need to like explain it or soften the blow or make some great reason. And really when we're boundary setting, which is what we're talking about, we don't owe anybody that. No, we don't. Well, here's what I know from what I did in the past that didn't work. I would try to justify and excuse my way out of something. Um, This season, my family has different needs. And I am about to have grown up daughters that one that's at college, one that's um, graduating. And I wanted them to know. And the only way I could do this is lead by example and say, there's no pressure. There's just an invitation. If you want to come, come. And so my daughters have picked this year where they need to be. You guys, that is radical. Because before I'm like, we're going to be all together. But I want my girls to know that they get to opt out of things that don't fit in their season. And I'm going to be waiting there. And even if that means that they're not with me on Christmas morning, then I'm going to be waiting for them with open arms and not do the guilt thing that probably we all experience from parents or grandparents or, you know, extended family, whatever. 
and just said, this is what I need to do in this season. This is why it makes sense, but it's just for this year. Mm -hmm. One paragraph, Mm -hmm. you know, like a very short paragraph of this is what I need to do. Thank you. I will see you next time. Yeah. And to not waver on that either and go, oh, you know what? I should just go ahead and go. Mm-hmm. No, I made my decision and I've been firm in it. And then walk away and just let them process, let them process and come back and um, have that dialogue with you. But I have um, realized that in doing this, it just makes sense. And I have so much peace. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's the answer. That's the cushion, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's get real for a second. Have you ever just looked around at your life and thought, is this really all that there is? I know I have. But what if God actually agrees with us? Plus One Parents has released a brand new Bible study experience called Made for More, 30 Days of Discovering God's Redemption in Your Disappointment. In this study, you'll have a look at the scriptures and what they tell us about where God is in our disappointment, what He is doing to draw near to us even when we have doubt, and exactly what he is doing to redeem every last piece of our stories, even the mistakes. Made for More is now available, and it's part of the Plus One Parents Collective all-access membership level, which you'll find a link to down in the show notes. What you see around you in life right now is not all that there is. You were made for more. Years and years ago, when I was first just even waking up to this idea of people-pleasing, I had read Lisa Turkhurst's book, The Best Yes, and she had a script in there that was so, it worked for me in so many instances. But in there, she says, I'm not able to give this the attention it deserves. Right. Um, that doesn't work for everything necessarily, but it can kind of be tweaked in various yes. settings. But we just think about the fact that this time of year, though, is really demanding. And so for us to be able to say, you know what, I'm just, I'm not going to be able to give this what it really deserves. I'm not able to, you know, present in a way that is is going to be uh, or, or I'm not able to show up in the way that I think um, that I'd really like to. And so, you know, the best thing in this is for me to step back for this time period. Um, and even if you cannot say for this year, you know, even if you have to say for now, you know, and for now could mean the next five years. I mean, who knows what that really means? But I think sometimes to um, you know, especially with closer family gatherings and things like that, these kind of boundaries can be extremely hard to set. Mm-hmm. But if we're prayerful in entering into it and then prayerful afterwards, you know, we're praying for our heart, we're praying for their hearts, you know, that whatever mm-hmm. discord is there that God would resolve, um, but that he would highlight to everybody individually, we're only responsible for our side of the street. Right. You know, that the Bible says for us, as far as it depends on us to live at peace, it doesn't mean right. that I laid, you know, become a doormat for people so that they can feel at peace. It's that I'm bringing peace to this equation. If I'm not met with peace, the Lord still wants me to go in peace. And that sometimes in our absence, though, that can be the thing that can draw an awareness to people's minds that "Hmm, maybe I do have a part in this and it might take years, but sometimes it is in that pulling away and in that absence and setting that boundary that God does the work on everybody's hearts. Right. One, I I really do feel like when I set this boundary uh, recently for Thanksgiving that, um, and thinking about Christmas and all of that coming up, um, 
that my decision for setting boundaries wasn't done in bitterness. And so mm-hmm. that was the, the thing that I knew. I would say probably at the beginning of this year, it probably would have. If I said, I'm not going to do that this year, it probably would have been ugly and messier. This one was based on, this is just, this makes sense for me. And I need to just present this as this is what I need. Instead of asking for permission, I'm just mm-hmm. saying, you know, you're going to have to like, let me go this time. Yeah. Yeah. I think, and I think need is what's underneath a lot of this, you know, it's saying I need to take a break this year. I need to have some space this year. And as you said, though, when we're really asking God to work on our hearts through it, that no, all the feelings might not be resolved. I might still be feeling angry underneath it. Yeah. At least if I'm prayerfully stepping into it, that I can present it in a way that is, you know, even if we have to be just businesslike and logistical and just say, this is what I need this year. I'm sorry to disappoint you, you know, and, and then move away from that. Um, there's so much, you know, that, that God can do in that space of time, but being able to admit I have a need and being able to accept though, that the reason I need to create space here is because I know these people cannot meet it. Or I know that in order for me to have this need met, basically it's coming down to, you know, what, I'm responsible for on my own side of it, you know, and recognizing that I have limitation, that I can't be everywhere and I can't be everything to everyone. And though with expectation, again, that the Lord doesn't expect that of me. No. And I think that when we are in trauma and when we are healing, that is when we really need to pay attention to the need statement of, I don't think I can handle this but this might be what I need. This might be the best thing for me right now mm-hmm. while I'm healing, while I'm piecing it, my life back together, while I'm trying to make sense of the chaos. I think there's a way for us to find a place of peace in our hearts that even when everything is just madness, that we can be okay. Yeah. And the thing I think also that is so gained in this though, is this changes the way that we are available to our kids. You know, that when we are understanding our needs and making room for our needs, that we have what we need then to do the same for them, that we have a better ability to perceive our kids' needs and a more an ability to be far more patient in walking through that experience with them because we are doing the work on our side of it to take care of our own hearts. And I I think that, that we can also just say to our kids, hey. I'm, I'm in this place where, you know, I need to do this and this is why, or you might see me a little like freeze up in this moment. I want you to know that this is what it looks like and to let them see us with the vulnerability of figuring things out. They do not need us to make everything sparkle for the holidays. They don't, they just need us, you know, whatever that looks like. Um, And that's why we make the decisions that we do. That's Mm. why we say, I'm not going to be burnt out this holiday season. I'm going to light all the candles, but I'm not going to burn myself out. I'm Mm. going to be in that place where I feel blessed and I feel okay. And I feel certain that I can embrace the people that are around me and, um, and love them best and love myself a little bit when you're tender. 
And I think what you're pointing to so poignantly here though, is presence, you know, when it comes, especially to our relationship with our kids, that if we are going all out trying to create this sparkly, magical Christmas experience, but we are not emotionally present, it doesn't mean anything to our kids in the long term, you know, but that a moment of presence can be, you know, that we are able to enjoy a game night together or to sit on the couch together, like things we can do at holidays and at not holidays, you know, but that it is just the awareness of being able to sit in this present moment, me coming as I am, you coming as you are and walking with the presence of the Lord in that, that that's what's really irreplaceable. So true. Yeah. I love that. Jennifer, I'm so grateful for just the light you have shined on this situation, especially as we are stepping into this season where we've got, you know, all of these different expectations and competing interests and those sorts of things. And I think you've really given us some some advice on how we can step towards that though with a genuine sense of joy and delight, regardless of what might be going on. At the end of every conversation, I ask each guest the same question. And it is, if there was just one thing that you would want a single mom to know, what would it be? Relax. Just like, just take a big pause and stop putting so much pressure on yourself. We are the worst at that. But just to know that who you are right now is more than enough. Even when you feel like you're not enough, you really are. You're exactly what your kids need. You're exactly who um, God wanted in their lives. So just be nicer to yourself. Relax a little bit. Everything's going to be okay. That is a beautiful word. I'm receiving that right now. Thank (laughs) you so much. (laughs) Jennifer, would you tell listeners about your resources and how they can follow you? Yes, I have a book called Freedom, The Gutsy Pursuit of Breakthrough and the Life Beyond It. You can also find me on Instagram, just Jennifer Watson. I also have a blog, jenniferreneewatson.com or website, whatever the cool kids are calling it these days. But I love connecting with um, other women. I love encouraging them. I'm raw and honest. So I just love to connect. I also am a part of more than small talk podcast with Holly Gareth and Susie Eller. And I would just love for you to just meet up with me in those spaces. Yes. And I will include links in the show notes to make it easier for the listeners to find you and all the resources. But thank you so much for sitting down with me today. Thank you so much for having me. I've really enjoyed this. If you found this conversation with Jennifer helpful, I've got a couple of others that I can recommend for you. Check out episode 141, Big Emotions, Discipline, and Mom Guilt, How Boundaries with Our Kids Make Us Better Moms with Rachel Norman. Also check out episode 145, Good Boundaries, Loving Others Well Without Losing Yourself with Lisa Turkhurst. I'd love to invite you to get more involved with the Plus One Parents community. If you head over to plusoneparents.org, you can sign up to become part of our free private community experience, the Plus One Parents Collective. On the website, you can also check out our blog and other resources on topics relating to dating and parenting, abuse recovery, and spiritual well-being. Or you can also get on our mailing list to receive Plus One Parent exclusive updates. You can also find us on Facebook or Instagram at plusone.parents. I'm so grateful that you're a part of this community and that you were able to join me for this episode today. I pray always that you would know that you are seen and you are beloved.